Welcome to the Design Your Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Marilee Blair. Let me be your positive light to help you reach your highest potential and put you in an empowered frame of mind every episode. It's time to get excited for our lives and be in charge of designing our happiness every single day. Let's go. Welcome back to the Design Your Happiness podcast. I'm so grateful to have an amazing guest on the show today who is going to help us all understand the importance of speaking up if we have faced trauma, abuse, or assault, and realizing it's not the survivor's fault. Candy Rochelle Lewis is the executive director and master trainer of the Positive Results Center. The mission of the Positive Results Center is to create awareness and prevent the trauma that comes from experiencing violence and abuse. Candy's nonprofit specializes in addressing the impacts of bullying, sexual abuse, dating, domestic or interpersonal violence, and sex trafficking. Candy joined the Positive Results Center in 2008, and while she is focused on the PRC's work on the youth of Los Angeles, she also trains the Los Angeles Police Department, Department of Mental Health, and the LA County Probation to recognize and deal effectively with trauma. Candy has received numerous awards, including 2019's Champion of Peace and Nonviolence Award, 2019's Community Plus Award, and 2018's Black Business Women Rock Award. Thank you so much for being here today, Candy, so we can spread awareness about your great cause and welcome to the show. Thank you, Marley. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for being here, Candy. And let's start the show with your favorite inspiring quote. You know, I, I have to take this back to old school, really old school. Nothing beats a failure but a try. Very mm-hmm. often we do not put in effort because we assume that we're not going to be successful for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. But until you try it, you have no idea of the success that you can actually make. Oh, I love that. All you have to do is try and then you'll get anywhere. You'll get farther as long as you try. I love that. Absolutely. And the thing about trying is first off, what people don't understand, I ask people all the time, what's the definition of failure? And they'll tell me, oh, I did this, I did that. And I'm like, no, the definition of failure is never making an effort. Mm. That is what failure looks like. So when you make an effort, you automatically are successful. And what you find is very often you have more skills, more tools, more gifts, and you can achieve more things. Um, And then even if it's not successful the way you envision it, you've learned. You've learned so much. And then all you got to do is make some little tweaks. And then whatever you choose. You've attempted to do, you can actually achieve. Oh, yes. Because at least you took the time to make the effort than just, oh, I want to try this, but never trying it at all. It's better to start and then we can become the experts over time. You know, that's why I love that because sometimes people automatically assume like, oh, I, I can't do that. I I can't, I'm not even going to start because I'm not going to get there. And it's like, but if all you did was try and you did that every single day, of course you're going to become the expert. Right. I mean, the way I look at it is first off, somebody decided to build a plane. Who envisioned that a massive metal tube could fly in the air and hold people that weigh thousands. And then when you add more people, there's thousands of extra pounds, but yet it still stays in the air. The first person who decided that they could take a, a chimpanzee's heart and put it in a person and that person could live. And then they decided to make a model of a heart out of some material that is not even live. And people walking around with implants in them, whether it is their heart or their legs, if that can happen, I can achieve anything. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that, Candy. And then how have you designed happiness into your life? You know what? I have to say, um, for as long as I can remember, 
except for when I was sick, and we'll talk about that later. But as long as I've remembered that I've always had this belief that if I was blessed to wake up every day, it, it's going to be a great day. I woke up, and I can. I am one of the fortunate people in the world. And I say this, and I let everyone know how fortunate and blessed I am to wake up in my own bed in my own house, because there's a lot of people that aren't. I'm also blessed that I can wake up on my own accord. I didn't have a machine or somebody waking me up. And then I could get up and take care of my own personal hygiene items by myself. So if those things have happened, happiness is automatically going to come. To me, happiness is a frame of mind. It's how you choose to look at your day, your life, and a situation. I completely agree with you. It's it's a choice, you know, yes. so we decide if we want to be happy in our day. It's just, it can be that easy. So I love that you focus on gratitude too, like being able to focus on, hey, I woke up today. You know, I have another day of life and I have all these things. So that's important what Candy's saying, that it's gratitude and just making the choice to be happy. Absolutely. There are times, you know, you, you may be sick or there's something else going on, but it, on an average everyday basis, I get to choose my happiness. And I know that I feel wonderful. Like, okay, you can see all this joy <laughs> in my life because I choose to make that happen. Mm. That means I also choose who's going to be in my life and who's going to be in my world. Um, I realized early on that I knew a lot of people. I'm a friendly person. I know lots and lots of people, but not all of them do I call my friends. Mm. I have lots of acquaintances, lots of associates, lots of people that I know. There's lots of people that know me that I don't even know, but when I see them or I meet them or they encounter me, I give them the joy of saying, you know what, you acknowledge me, so I'm giving you that joy and I'm thankful for it. However, that doesn't mean that I just have to let all kinds of people into my world because my world is important and I want to make sure that not only do I, I put positivity in my brain, but I put it in on my surroundings as well. That's so important to have a strong environment that is a happy, positive energy too, when we can control it. And yes. most of the time we can, um, sometimes if it's family or someone that you have to be around them, we can still choose how much time we spend with them. So I think that's great. Even in work, you know, there mm -hmm. are times when you cannot control your environment, mm -hmm. but it, you can control how much of that environment you let seep into your brain, mm -hmm. how much you carry right. with you, um, you know, and how you look at it. I've worked with some nasty people, mm -hmm. some nasty, nasty people. And I can honestly say that I was able to hold them at bay for a while, but mm -hmm. then I can also say, that after a while of being in a toxic environment, mm. I became toxic. Mm. And I had to learn that this is toxic. It looked like one thing for a minute. It looked like um, stress and anxiety. It looked like depression. It looked like me working really, really hard until I realized I don't need this. Right. There are options. Yes. And I exercise my option. And my option chose me and my happiness than money or people. Mm. Yes. Yes, we have that. We do have that control yes. and how much we let it affect us. Absolutely. And Candy, let's talk about your nonprofit, the Positive Results Center. So if you can tell us more about it. Absolutely. So Positive Results Center has been in business since 1991. I took the company over in 2008. And that was after leaving a very toxic work environment. And I spent about a year trying to find Candy again because Candy got lost in the toxicity. Um, and then when this opportunity was presented to me, I had no idea what a nonprofit was. So the best thing that I could do was to do what I normally do, do some research. So I spent a year and a half 
researching what a nonprofit was. And that meant that I volunteered with other agencies. I got a chance to know the community. I got a chance to know who the players were, the good and the bad and the ugly. Um, I got an opportunity to talk to the community to find out what their needs were. And then I also got a chance to think for candy, what was I going to bring to the table and what was my commitment to it? So Positive Results Center originally, um, when I took it over, our focus was on reading, excuse me, on um, life skills and leadership because that was the background that I came from. And that's also what the community said. But really, the, the what I found was most important was there was a big issue of violence. And there was a huge issue of violence with youth and young adults. And everyone was focused on gang violence, but there was a huge problem with interpersonal violence, uh, children coming from domestic violence households, kids being sexually, emotionally, physically assaulted. And there was not an agency that was solely focused on creating awareness about violence and abuse, especially as it impact communities of color and black communities. And so again, I did more research and I did more studying and I got with some experts and looked also inside to my background. And then, so our mission addresses trauma from a cultural and age perspective. And we specialize in dating, domestic, interpersonal violence, sexual assault and bullying. And um, that also includes suicide awareness and sex trafficking. And what we do is we work with youth and young adults primarily. That's about 70% of our work uh, to address what trauma looks like. Because very often kids have a, who have experienced violence and abuse or who have witnessed violence and abuse will often figure out that this is their fault. Mom and dad are arguing because I got a D in school or I didn't do my homework or I didn't do something. And so we help them to understand that at no point is any of this your fault. And even if it is a woman or a man who has experienced domestic violence or interpersonal violence or sexual assault, you did not do this. We have to teach people to put the onus and the responsibility back on the person who is responsible for inflicting harm and danger to us. And so with our youth, we teach them to be peer advocates. We give them all the tools and skills that we ourselves know. Because when we're not in the room, the violence still happens. And so we want to give them these tools so that if something happens to them or a friend, they know what to do, what to say, who to call, and also, more importantly, what not to say and what not to do. And then we also work with educators, providers, and youth-serving agencies, and we teach them what trauma looks like. Because very often, we're still as adults living in the trauma that we experience as children, and then more trauma that we've experienced in our life. People talk about PTSD. We talk about CTSD, which is the continued traumatic stress disorder or the constant traumatic stress disorder. We're living in constant um, trauma every day. And so when we encounter a youth, we think, well, what's wrong with them? Why can't they get themselves together? They're not dealing with anything. They're just being stupid or they're lazy or they're this or they're that when they have no idea the magnitude that the youth today are experiencing. As a young girl, I may have experienced some trauma. I may have experienced some violence, but nothing like the level of trauma and violence that our children are experiencing today. So we have to work with providers and educators to give them the tools to work with youth and young adults. Um, our goal is really to develop healthy families, communities, and um, healthy relationships. And those relationships go all across the board, whether it is uh, mother-father, brother-sister, um, uh, parent and child, uh, parent and uh, teacher, youth and teacher. And so we work with them all different kinds of ways. And then last but not least, we do community outreach. And that includes different workshops and trainings. 
Uh, we have a full Zoom series that we do every Thursday, and it's all about creating awareness from the trauma perspective. We also have, um, right now, we have a campaign that hopefully you'll share with them. It's called uh, Voices of Truth, where we're asking Black people who've experienced hurt, harm, or some kind of violence to share their truth so that and not the whole story we just really want to know what are some of the signs mm -hmm. what i know for a fact is that a person who has been victimized sees things a little differently than someone who has not and very often they can tell you what uh what has happened to them and maybe how or not necessarily why but sometimes why why or how a, an abuser or a pedophile or a predator targeted them or how they targeted them and what other people didn't see. Because very often what we don't see is right in front of our faces. I love what you're doing, Candy, and that's why I'm so excited to have you on and that you're that this is something that your nonprofit does because people we you know, we all need you. Uh, there's so many, like you're saying, kids and even adults that have gone through trauma and they just, they don't know where to go. They don't know who to talk to. People automatically feel like they're ashamed and don't want to talk about it. And so to have a nonprofit like yours that you're providing all of this, all of these tools and the awareness and that people don't have to feel alone and that they don't have to hold on to it too, that there's a way that they can still live a great life. They just need help in healing. And so yes. that, that you provide this is just, it's so big and it's so important. And so um, I'm just, I'm just so happy that, you know, you partnered with your nonprofit when you did, because we need people like you, you know, right. we, we do. Yeah. And let me say this, it's not just me. I have a fabulous team. I have a dynamic team. Um, and we are a team of all black women. We collaborate with other organizations, and that includes men serving organization. Um, and no matter what your ethnicity or your gender identity, uh, we will either support you or we have other partners and agencies that can support you as well. And um, so I think it's important that when you look at organizations that are providing for the community, how well are they providing? Mm -hmm. The best thing that I can say about us is that we live, work, and worship in our community. So where other people are coming into the community, they come in at 8, they leave at 5, we're still here. You'll see us in the stores. You'll see us in the streets. You can call me. People call me at 9 o'clock at night, or they text me, and I answer my phone. And the reason I do that is because I know if you're calling or texting, you have a need. And one of my beliefs is I'm on this, I'm on this platform for a period of time. And as long as you need me during this period of time, I must provide. So I answer my phone. I, I don't send it to voicemail. I don't have other people answering my phone. I answer my phone. My team, we all answer our phone because we're here. And people say, well, how do you know that you're trusted and respected? Because the community said so. That's how we know. Community says so. We don't do any advertisement. But yet still, we can continue to grow. And during COVID-19, Oh, our numbers have just tripled on the programs and the services that we offer simply because the need is great. And, and I know I'm talking a lot, but let me just say this. Um, we do a lot of art-based healing. So we will do talk therapy, um, music therapy, art therapy. We draw, we make um, poems and poetry and songs. We might make masks. Um, we do all kinds of art-based things so that we can engage people because sometimes having these conversations is difficult and it's hard. And people don't necessarily either want to say the words or they don't know how to say the words. And sometimes they just don't even have the words. So 
by writing a song or a poem or drawing a mask or drawing a picture or, or even doing some acting really allows people to come out of their shell and to see how beautiful and amazing they are and the strength that they that they can give to the world. Oh, I love that. They need to see that too. They, they really need to see that potential that they have and that the gifts that they have so they can share it. So it's just incredible all of this that you and your team are doing and have done so far. And, and how exactly, I mean, I know you're mentioning the workshops and um, some of the conferences, but how exactly do you help people um, who have experienced violence, assault, and bullying, how do you help them let go of the trauma? So let me start by saying everyone is different. Everyone has different experiences, and what works for one person may not work for uh, another. So some people, we have one-on-one -on -one coaching. We are not mental health therapists, let me say that. We're not mental health therapists or licensed anything. But what we do is we listen. We provide a safe space for people to share their concerns. And then based on what they share with us, we can we reach out and we help them to identify maybe they do need um, mental health therapy or they might need some other kind of counseling. Mm. Um, we also um, host weekly workshops. So sometimes those weekly workshops may be very small with just three or four people. Sometimes they might be 10 people. Um, and so it really all depends on what that person is interested in. We do a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. having one-on-one -on -one conversations. Mm -hmm. um, we help, especially with youth. Now, with youth, we'll have more uh, group conversations. And it's, it's really all about helping them to tap into a safe space where they feel like they can open up. And that's why we do a lot of art-based projects. Um, so, for instance, let me give you an example. We had, before COVID, we had a youth leadership academy. Uh, and we've, con we've uh, conducted these workshops all over L.A. They're 12-week workshops. And our very first workshop was the week before, the excuse me, the Thursday before Valentine's Day. And so in that workshop, uh, we start off with, some people don't like it. I love it because this is who I am. I not only bring the nonprofit in, but I bring meat and candy in. And so we start off with prayer. Well, we actually first start off with introductions. Who's in the room? And then we go into a prayer. And if someone doesn't want to pray, that is perfectly okay. You can either step out of the room or you can sit there quietly, whatever works for you. Um, and then we go into food. We feel that food is a critical part of the work that we do because I have no idea when was the last time you ate or what did you eat. And when we say food, I'm not talking like a little snack. I'm talking about a full-blown meal. We'll have pizza and salad and dessert and water. I, do, I never do sodas. It's always water. Um, and Or it might be tacos and a salad and dessert. But there's always food. And once we, we believe that food is, food is critical because in my culture, in my family, when you walk into our home, we greet you with a hug, we greet you with a smile, and we greet you with food. If you walk into someone's home and they don't ask you, would you like some water? Would you like something to eat? There's a problem. At least that's how we were raised. So I want people to know that I'm greeting you and I'm welcoming you into our space and I'm treating you just like family. And so from that, we start talking, just general conversation. And then the next thing we did is we, I gave them a project and I said, for Valentine's Day, everyone normally draws, um, what are those things? Cards, Valentine's cards. And, you know, normally you'll give one to your mom or your father or to the person that you like. But today I want you to draw a Valentine card to yourself. I want you to write a love letter to yourself. 
And why do you need this love letter? And that opened the door. Uh, we had 33 kids. And kid number one came up, and they opened up, and they shared their truth, things that they have experienced that they said they've never told anyone else. Because we've given them that space. It allowed them to open up. And the beautiful, the beautiful part of it is all the other kids, they opened up as well. And you could see the, the crowd go from like that to closer and bonding and hugging and supporting one another. They all cried and we all cried. And we partnered with the police and the fire department. We held it at the fire department. Uh, in their community room. And the police picked up the kids in the vans and bought them there and then took them back home because it was going to be at night and we didn't want the parents to have to come out if they had a car. Um, and we also didn't want the kids walking. And everybody is looking around at me like, how did you make that happen? The way that our success is built on trust. It is not about anything other than trust. It is. Because we built a safe environment for them to open up and share, it matters really not what we do. It's how you show up 100% of the time. We don't argue. We don't scream. We don't holler. Mm -hmm. I also let kids know that although you are a youth, you can use your brain. I have expectations, and I hold people accountable. And even little kids can be held accountable. And also in that accountability is love and it is respect. That's why. So I don't know if I really answered your question. You did. But um, it's really how you, sh how you get people to open up and mm -hmm. to heal is first by finding out what they need. And most people mm -hmm. just really want to be seen, to be heard, to be respected, and to find a safe space where they feel that there's trust there. And that's what we do. It's great that you provide that because people need that, you know? It's just, it's hard to find to yeah. have that community feeling too, where you feel like, okay, I trust this community and I can talk about something so deep that ends up impacting someone else that they're able to relate. And then everyone else is able to be vocal about something so personal and being in such a vulnerable position so that is needed to create that type of culture yes yeah and and we also show up by showing up we promise a couple of things and one of the things is that we promise to always show up we promise to show up authentically and that also means that we tell our truth See, I always start off telling who I am and the things that I've experienced. And I may not give everything all at once, but I can't expect anyone, especially a kid, to come and start talking about their experiences if I'm not opened up and shared some of mine. And so it lets them know, okay, this is a safe space. Wait, what? And another thing is people look and they say, nah. She didn't experience that. Mm. Yes, I did. Mm. I have experienced a lot of things, and I don't walk like I experienced those things. I don't talk mm. like I, I don't show up in pain, mm. you know. And so I think that is important. And one of the things that we really talk to kids and even adults about is how do you show up? Mm. You know, we talk a lot about what people have given us. So many of us have been given a name, yet we've not been called that name. We've been called everything but a child of God. We've been called stupid, dumb, ugly, ignorant. We've been called, we've been cussed out. We have been treated like animals. And after a while, we start taking on that personality. As I said, um, at one point I was sick and I was working for a very toxic environment, a very toxic company that was paying me long money. And at first that long money was good. And 
I took in and I was like partying and having a good time and providing for my family and doing everything that I wanted until one day I woke up and I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. One day I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I could not even identify myself. Mm-hmm. One day I woke up and I was crying and I was upset and I was depressed and I was angry. And I took that out on so many people. This face you see today is not the same face you would have saw in 2006 and 2007. Mm-hmm. But luckily, one day I did wake up and say, today is the last day that I'm going to do this. And I went to my office and somebody said something and I'm like, oh, that's it. I took a little box. I put a couple of things in it. Mm. I went and told my CEO, F you, and the horse you rode in on. Now, I was vice president of a technology company and the interim president of that company. Now, imagine what kind of money I was making. But I realized that money was not making me happy. That money was actually killing me inside. I was physically dying. And I got in my car. It was about 10.30 in the morning, and I drove from Glendale to Lomita, where Kaiser Mental Health is, and I said, I need to see someone today, right now, and I did see someone. I talked to them. They told me that I was chronically stressed and clinically depressed. I was able to breathe because I didn't know that, and people always say, Oh, you're stressed, you're depressed, you know it. You don't know what you don't know. And when you're in it, you don't know it at all. It shows up, as I said, like anger. I was in my office one day and I heard somebody say, F those mofos. And I was like, who is in my office talking like this? And they didn't say that. They said the whole full words. And I went and I got up out of my chair like this. And by the time I got to that spot, that's when I realized it was me. Mm-hmm. I said those things. Wow. And I hadn't even realized that I said it. Um, I was driving back and forth to work and I was in tears. I was crying all the time. I would sleep for 10 hours and wake up exhausted. Like I hadn't slept more than 15 minutes. I was doing all kinds of things, including drinking like a fish. And I didn't realize that I was in survival mode, Mm -hmm. that I was on the last legs of my life. And when I, I found out what I needed, I actually went home and I went to bed for 30 days. I didn't get out the bed for 30 days. I slept for 20 hours a day for 30 days until I couldn't sleep anymore. And then I woke up. And it was maybe a few weeks after I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep. Like I'm sleeping three, four hours a day. And I was walking down the hallway and I saw this person who was outside and they were very gray and they looked horrible. And we had just got an influx of people who were houseless in our neighborhood, sleeping in the alleys. And I'm thinking this is that person, one of the people. And I went to the living room. I came back, looked back out. They were still out there. And something said, go back and look. Marley, when I went back and looked, I realized I wasn't looking outside. I was looking in a mirror at myself. I did not recognize myself, and I looked like I was about 98 years old. Mm. And that's when I realized that I forgot a few things, things that made me happy. Mm. Things like prayer. Prayer is important to me. Things like drinking water. Water, I love drinking water. I've got my glass of water right here, and I have a cute glass with my name on it. Um, you know, I, I find joy in little things, music. I wasn't listening to music. I wasn't praying. I wasn't reading. I wasn't doing anything. I was just stuck in on that little treadmill going back and forth. And I went to bed and maybe a few days later and on the side of my bed, I woke up and I saw a journal with a pen 
I kid you not, I have no idea how long that journal had been there. If someone just put it there yesterday or a week ago, a month ago, or two years ago. I have no idea. But I started writing and journaling, and I remembered my love of writing. I also realized that a lot of the negative thoughts that I had were just repeated over and over and over again. So I was able to get off that treadmill uh, because now I am, I have a space that I can safely share what, what my concerns were. It wasn't about me sharing with like, let's say my husband who did not understand the concerns that I had. Well, a lot of times we try and we share with people who don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, and even when, you know, you're talking about business, you share with people who don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's not their fault that they don't understand. It's just that they don't understand because, now this is just my personal belief, the spirit did not give them what the spirit gave me. Mm. So where I was trying to communicate, these are some things that I'm experiencing because he didn't and he couldn't relate to them because we have different lives. Mm -hmm. And I take that back to even business. When I quit that job, so many people said, oh, how in the world did you just quit this job that's paying you all this money and you've got all these titles? And when I said that I wanted to take over this company that I had no experience in, no knowledge of, didn't know anything about a nonprofit, people were like, how are you going to do that? You don't have any experience. You don't have a degree in that. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. But what I do know is that the spirit told me this is what I needed to do. And so what I really want to talk about, I've done a lot of talking. The most important thing is trust yourself. You will never, ever, ever treat yourself wrong. You will never go down the wrong direction. You will always be in the right frame of mind once you get in the frame of mind to understand that you and only you are the difference between the success and the lack of success mm -hmm. that you could possibly have in your life. Yes, that's so true. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks as long as you're happy in your life and mm -hmm. you're doing what you can to control that happiness or walk away yes. from things like you had walked away even and you showed that it wasn't just about money. You were losing yourself. And so you hit this breaking point. And you were like, why am I going to stay in this? Sometimes it's not just about the money. It's about, you know, finding what makes you happy or like you said, what your spirit is calling you to do. And because of you and your team, you've helped so many people that because you're sharing personal stories of what you've experienced through trauma, they feel that helps gives them that safe place because you, the leader are being able to discuss that. And so if you didn't, come on and share your story, you know, that might have, you know, some people wouldn't have that or they wouldn't have that community. There might not be that person. And so you decided to become that person for yourself and then you yes. became that for others and then align with other people in your team to provide that as well. And so it's just, it's incredible how you went through your own challenges, but got back to the candy that you are today and yes. that you too have been through trauma, but you're letting people know we can get through it. All of us that have been through trauma, we can get through it and we can still have the life of our dreams. We can still have happiness. We can still have loving relationships where we do find true love and, uh, you know, and great friendships that there are people that are trustworthy and that our pain doesn't define us. Yes. And let me just make a clarification. I didn't come back to candy. I came back to better candy because the crazy thing is, is that years ago, uh, my spirit said for me to be a teacher. And I was like, oh, that will never happen. I have three kids um, and I'm parenting them. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm so many things. And then my, my children have friends. 
that I'm working with them and helping them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I can't do that. And then going to school, volunteering at school and watching some parents who aren't as perceptive about what their children are going through or who their children are, were showing up in not the best way. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm a smack a kid, I'm a smack a parent. If I was a teacher, I'm just being honest. And so I said, I'm not going to do that. And the great thing about the spirit is we have free will. And if you don't want to do something, you don't have to. It's okay. But what I've learned is that what is really truly for you you can't run from and you can't hide. And I say that because in 1998, the Spirit told me to be a teacher. Or excuse me, 19, wait, 1997, the Spirit told me to be a teacher. And then in 2007, I had my mental health breakdown mm -hmm. and I stopped working to really refine myself. And then in 2017, I was nominated and received an award for being the educator of the year. Now, how do I go from saying I'm not going to be a teacher and then 20 years later, I am the teacher and, you know, acknowledged all through the county of Los Angeles. So what I've learned is, is that I had to go through some things so that I can come out on this side better and stronger that I could be relatable, mm -hmm. that I could relate to, that I could not be sympathetic, but empathetic. And that I could, I say all the time that I'm blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed every day. And the biggest blessing is that I'm able to bless others. Thank goodness, you know, with your journey, you were able to find that and get that inspiration. So you could be where you are today and be that better candy to share with all of us. Yes. So it's such an incredible journey, candy. And you. you're welcome. And with your nonprofit, too, I know you had mentioned some big events that you do that you offer as well. Um, so do you want to share some of those big events that you do? Sure. So our biggest thing that we have going on right now is our Voices of Youth, or excuse me, um, Voices of Truth um, campaign. And we call it truth. We don't ask people to tell us their story. Because, mm -hmm. see, I can argue with a story, mm -hmm. but I can never argue with your truth. Because your truth is real and it is honest to you. And as I said earlier, that oftentimes we don't see what's right in front of us. So we want people who've experienced violence, abuse, been traumatized um, to share. So that we as parents, providers, and guardians are able to safeguard our children and our babies and even, you know, adults so that violence does not continue to happen. We believe that violence and abuse begins in the womb. Because when you are pregnant, um, the, we're talking to our babies, we're singing to our babies, but our babies are also hearing the screaming and the hollering. And sometimes because uh, when a person who is an abuser feels like they're losing control because violence is about power and control, the person they're losing the control to is the unborn child. So they'll often um, target hitting or hurting the mother in the area where her child is. And so we know that children are born to violence. We also know that um, until you bring boys and men into the conversation, we can't prevent violence. So um, this Voices of Truth campaign is to get the truth of the stories of all people, no matter uh, of their gender, uh, they have to be black and they can be of any age so that we could write a pamphlet um, and share with it, share with people the things that have happened. Not the whole story. We don't want to be intrusive, but something that can help us to help someone else. Um, in October, we are going to have another campaign. Uh, it will be coming out soon and it is called Love is War. We'll be looking for black artists to give us their renderings of what violence looks like. And violence to us is all forms of violence. It could be spiritual violence, financial violence, gun violence, domestic violence, 
sex um, industry, survival sex, sex trafficking, mm -hmm. because we want people to see what violence looks like. And this came from an art exhibit that we had going all the way back to 2013 called The Face of Violence and Survival. They changed to The Face of Survival to just ultimately survival, where we do an art exhibit and we take the everyday photos of people, we put them in a frame, and then we put it on the wall so that you can see a person who has experienced violence. But you don't know that they have until you read the truth that's under them. And we look at them and say, what? This beautiful person, this beautiful Marley, this beautiful Candy, they look like they've never experienced anything but like wealth and lush. And so then you see, and sometimes hopefully you'll recognize that violence doesn't look a particular way and it, and it can affect so many people. Mm -hmm. So that we stop judging people and we start realizing that you have no idea who's standing right next to you, nor their experiences. Mm -hmm. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month mm -hmm. and we normally have our Purple Purse Tea Party which creates awareness about domestic violence, financial abuse, and sexual assault. And that's the only time during the year that we raise money um, mm -hmm. and we actually charge for our programs. All of our programs are free, including the food that we provide. Everything is free. We believe that our, our community deserves everything. And we go out and we seek funds for that. So during the month of October, we will uh, have another campaign. It will be virtual this year. It'll be a little smaller, uh, but it is so that people can donate to our organization so that we can continue to do the work. And we are planning um, our fourth Promoting Healthy Manhood Conference, which is super exciting because I think we're the, probably the only all-female agency across the country. I don't know, uh, but I know in Los Angeles County and I think even across the state of California, all-female agency that has a conference for boys and men um, from nine up where only boys and men can come, only boys and men can present, only boys and men can speak, and we only allow like up to 25 seats for women to either who are providers or maybe a mom who feels like they can't go without their child or their child can't go without them. But still, no woman's voice will be spoken in the conference after the first five minutes. I get the first five minutes to welcome everyone. And then we allow that space for the men to talk. And that is important for men to have their own spaces and their own safe spaces without the interference of a woman who may have been hurt or abused by a man or several men. Because we don't want anyone to say, well, you know what, if all you men are put it on, put put the trauma that one person or several people may have um, caused that person on all the men that are there because they're not the ones. And very often, men have also experienced a lot of the same violence that women have. Men are victims of sexual assault. Boys are victims of sexual assault. You ever want to know why a man uh, grows up to be an angry man? Look at his background. Mm. Find out who hurt him. Find out who physically, sexually, or emotionally demoralize that person as a child. And so we have to provide spaces for men to heal because once men heal, they can help us heal. I know for a fact that if we women could stop violence and abuse, we would have done it thousands of years ago, but we can't. We have to bring the boys and men into the conversation. So those are some of the things that we're doing um, and if anyone wants to learn more about us, you can reach us at prc123.org, which is our website. You can go there and hit donate and make a financial donation. You can hit contact and reach out to us and you could say, look, I want to be a part of it. I want to participate in one of the workshops. I want to uh, conduct one of the trainings for you all. You mm -hmm. might be a mental health therapist or a sexual assault therapist and you really want to help us to do the work. You might be a photographer, a videographer, social media person. Uh, we have such a great need. And once COVID ends, 
we'll go back and we'll host our annual pro, um, prom dress gift away where we gift away four to four to five hundred girls everything that they need to have the most beautiful, uh, memorable prom ever. That includes her gown or tucks if she doesn't want to wear a gown, shoes, purses, jewelry, makeup, hair, and hygiene. Everything is free. No one has to pay for a single thing. And that also includes we provide breakfast and lunch for them and their families. And it's a family affair because we have fathers bringing daughters. We have mothers and fathers bringing their daughters. We have, um, we even have a couple of um, transgender uh, or queer questioning boys who want to come and get a gown. Everyone is welcome. We provide a safe space for you to have that most amazing once in a lifetime experience. And we set the room up to look like a shopping center. So it's not like one or two gowns. We normally have seven or 800 gowns for people to select from, from size zero to size 30. We want to make sure that everyone is taken care of. So again, you can go to our website, prc123.org. You can call us at 323-787-9252. You can email us at info at prc123.org. You can go find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash prc123. We're also on Instagram at, at the positive results. Um, and we're also on um, LinkedIn and Twitter. So just call us, text us, email us anyway. We're here and we're here to support you and your family and your community. Thank you so much, Candy, for everything. Um, be sure to email contact Candy and her nonprofit to get involved. Uh, to if you want to be part of it, if you have your truth to share, it's just incredible everything her and her team are doing. So be sure to get involved, donate, or whatever you need to do. If you need that healing, please contact her and her company. Thank you so much, Candy, for being here on the show today. Marley, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. I really enjoy this opportunity that you have provided for us. And I want to just um, end with, no matter what your need is, know that you are fabulous just as you are, that no matter what has happened to you, it is not your fault. You did not deserve it, and it should never have happened to you. And what we want to do is we want to help you to get back to that space that that space in yourself in your life that you can help um we can help you to tap into who you authentically are as opposed to who other people say you are we're just here to support and help I love that. Thank you so much, Candy. Such a great Thank way to end. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the Design Your Happiness podcast. I appreciate you for listening and I hope you feel inspired. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your loved ones. I hope you have a beautiful day and get excited to design your happiness.